So one of the things um, that I'm excited about is this series that I'm launching today called Guaranteed Ways uh, to Ruin Your Life. And over the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about three pitfalls uh, that I honestly believe uh, you should avoid like the plague. Okay, three things we're going to be talking about it, uh, for the next uh, three weeks, uh, guaranteed ways that will ruin your life. And I know when you hear that, wow, guaranteed ways to ruin my life, that seems pretty strong. I mean, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes if somebody says, hey, I'm going to guarantee you something, you're kind of like, oh, I'm a little suspicious of that. Maybe you have some trust issues. I get it, but I will tell you, I can guarantee you something. The guarantee I have is that the series is not going to be about theory or theories. The series is going to be about predictable outcomes. You know what predictable outcomes are, right? To where you can kind of fast forward and know and predict what's going to happen before it happens. You might not be able to pinpoint the exact time, but you're like, hey, pretty sure 100% this is going to play out. Like, for example, you, you know, you might know somebody, or maybe this is you, where you go to Target and uh, maybe you're hopeful that you'll only be in there for a few minutes, buying a few things, and then an hour later, you come out with like $100 worth of stuff. And you start to ask yourself, how am I going to afford dinner for the rest of the month? <laughs> going into Target, hoping to get one thing, coming out with a million things, that's a predictable outcome. Hey, for some of you, maybe this is you, maybe you know somebody like this, where you see an exam coming if you're in school. You see that final coming or that test coming, and you've circled it on the Friday. Maybe you circled it on your syllabus. And on Sunday night or Monday, maybe you're forward-thinking enough, you're like, hey, you know what? I'm going to study every single day before that test. I'm going to crush it. I'm going to put it in the time. And then Thursday night, you have a cram fest. All right? That's a predictable outcome. For some of you fellows in the room, you, you've got crushes, you've got that girl maybe that you're thinking about asking out, and you actually are like, I am going to ask her out. But that girl always seems to refer to you as a BFF, um, which I would say, hey, dude, just, just go for it. But I, I think we could all predict the outcome of asking a girl out that's in the friend zone, okay? That's a predictable outcome. Or maybe, maybe for some of you, uh, going to Taco Bell, at like 11 o'clock at night, 12 p.m., which, is, which I feel like is the only time they're open. And, uh, and you're looking at this fourth meal, and you're like, hey, this is beautiful. Um, it probably costs a quarter. Uh, this is definitely a, a smart decision. I'm being a good steward of my finances. But here's the thing. We, we all know that nature's going to catch up. And in about 30 minutes, maybe even an hour, it's, it's not going to be pretty. That's a predictable outcome. Again, this series is going to be about predictable outcomes. Three ways that we believe, that I believe, three things that are going to guarantee that you can ruin your life. I wrote down some subtitles. If, you, if you're a person that loves subtitles, I think you could say, hey, guaranteed ways to lead you down a path that you don't want to be down. Uh, guaranteed ways to become the person you never intended or wanted to be. Guaranteed ways to bring pain and regret and torment to your life and to your relationships. Guaranteed ways to ruin your life. Now here's the thing. I don't want you to ruin your life. Okay? I don't want you to ruin your college years. 
And I don't think there's a better time to have a conversation like this on these pitfalls than right now at the dawn of a new year, a new decade. Because for some of you, and as I've talked and hang out with some of you, a lot of you, you look in the rearview mirror and you don't like, you didn't like the last few weeks, the last few months, maybe even the last year, and you're like, Kid, I would love a redo. I don't want to get sideways like I did. I don't want to make the decisions that I did. I don't want to get crazy out of whack like I did in 2019. Man, I would love a fresh start. And that's the beauty is that who you want to be and where you want to be, you can start now. It all starts now. And so what we're going to be talking about over the few uh, weeks, I just want you to know it has implications not just for the present you, but also for the future you. So I mentioned uh, three pitfalls. Tonight, um, I'm going to focus on one that I, I honestly believe that if you have this in your life, if you continue to entertain it, it continues to, to, to kind of run around and you're like, yeah, okay, I'll let it be there. I promise you, it will ruin your life. And that is pride. Pride. Sure, you got all sorts of different definitions, but basically it's, it's the ugliness we are so quick to see and point out in others. It's the ugliness that we despise and even hate to see in others. It's the things that turns us off that might pop up in some friends or family members. But yet, ironically enough, it's the thing that is almost impossible for us to see ourselves. A couple of weeks ago, uh, my wife and I were having a conversation. I get home from work. I'm like, how was your day? You know, that's what married couples do. How's your day? It's my day. Um, and so she's downloading her day to me. And one of the conversations that she had is like, hey, you're not going to believe this. So we, we have a couple um, that's got some, um, some kids our age. And they're like, hey, they're contemplating moving because the husband uh, might be looking to get a different job, same company, but he could get so much more money. Now, the figure that she throws out, I'm like, that's not true. And she's like, I can tell she's kind of like, why are you saying that my friend is like lying? And I'm like, I mean, yes. <laughs> and so she's like, okay, well, hold on, let me get this straight. So you're saying that my friend, who, who doesn't really have a, a, a track record of lying, um, talking about a company that you've never worked at, and you weren't even privy to the situation, you're telling me that they're making all this up. And I'm like, gosh, well, I mean, when you put it like that, absolutely. <laughs> and so I could tell, obviously, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't going so well. And I'm like, ah, there it is. My pride erupting once again, rearing its angry head. It's like my immediate response is to say, hey, I'm right. You're wrong. My idea is better. Yours is lacking. Ellen, I've done the research. I know what's going out and going around right now in the world of salary ranges, okay? Why would you know more than I know? How are you going to tell me any different? Um, it didn't go well for the, like the next five or ten minutes, but we made up. We, we made up, yeah. Um, <laughs> we made up. So here's the reality. In all seriousness, the hard truth is that pride does live in every single one of us, whether we want to realize it or admit it or not. 
See, but I think that most of us wouldn't say that we have a pride problem because we look at the people in our life and they're like, oh my goodness, that dude is super arrogant. Or that, that person is like way into themselves. Oh man, they are just cocky. I don't like being around them. And so you look at them and you're like, well, if that's what pride is, I'm, I'm not prideful. I don't have a pride problem. But when it comes to pride, we do have blind spots. You can't see it in the mirror, and I think it makes sense because if we're facing pride as a problem, it's really just admitting that you have a problem, and our own pride is trying to tell us, uh, you don't have a problem. You see how that works, how the mind works? Pride itself creates a blind spot to see our own pride. And sometimes pride in our life kind of masks its way, uh, masks itself in certain different ways. And, and maybe you've seen this. And so maybe pride in your life masks itself as just confident. And you're like, well, hold on a second. There's nothing wrong with being confident, right? And I'm like, no. But maybe your friends would be like, dude is overconfident. But maybe you don't have that awareness. So, so pride is masking itself there. Maybe it's masking itself through sarcasm. That you're like, I'm just hilarious. My brand of humor is top notch. But you have pride in thinking that like, hey, I know that my humor will just destroy anyone that comes in its wake. Maybe people you talk to your friends, you'll be like, hey, I know you think you're a funny guy, but man, your sarcasm, whoo. Maybe it's the pursuit of excellence to where meaning like, hey, I'm gonna do anything and everything that it takes to get here, my way or the highway. Maybe pride masks itself like that because it's pretty sneaky. But here's the thing. Here's the reality. If, if ignoring and underestimating pride is your thing, I think you're living in a dangerous territory because I believe and what we will hopefully see is that pride will ruin your life. One of my favorite quotes from one of my favorite authors, a guy named C.S. Lewis. I'm so glad we call him C.S. because his, his name is like Clive Staples, which I don't know if you know many Clives, but I don't, so I, I like that we keep it at C.S. But this is what he says about pride. Check this out. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites. I, I love that word. We don't talk about, we don't talk like that anymore. I mean, your flea bites in comparison to pride because pride leads to every other vice. I mean, I don't know if you've thought about this much, but look at that. Unchastity, right? That's just sexually promiscuous, all right? Drunkenness, greed, all of those things are pretty substantial, but he's saying all of it lacks in comparison to how big pride is. Pride essentially is like a gateway drug. It's the gateway vice to all other vices. In other words, the root of all the ugliness in my heart is pride. The root to all the ugliness in your heart is pride. The root of all things in our life that you're not proud of, that I'm not proud of, is pride. In fact, the root of all sin is pride. Sin being an intentional departure from God's best, an intentional departure from God's direction, an intentional departure from God's desire for you and for me. 
And it it sits there, and it's rooted. It's like us saying, you know what? I know better. I want, for me, the best. Hey, God, I got it. All right? I know better than you. Pride can keep us from so much, and it could cause so much in our life. Pride keeps us from apologizing and admitting we're wrong. Anybody ever struggle with that? Yeah, me too. It keeps us from forgiving others, from showing weakness or asking for help, from reaching out and asking advice or wise counsel, because why would you? I I know everything that I need to know. It keeps us from healthy relationships, a healthy relationship in your dating life, healthy relationship in your future married life, your current married life. Pride keeps us from those things, but it also causes us to feel joy when others fail. And I'm not talking about acquaintances. I'm talking about this happens in our friendships. I think if we all peered into our minds and our hearts, and if we all were honest, at some point along the way, we have somewhat a little quietly celebrated that somebody in our world has failed. And you have this cute like little party in your mind. Pride causes us to do that. It causes us to devalue or look down on others, to ignore warning signs. Hey, pay attention. You probably shouldn't date her. Hey, pay attention. Not sure he's good news for you. Hey, pay attention. I'm not really sure you want to do that or go that way in your life. Causes us to cheat in order to get ahead. I'll do whatever it takes to manipulate this situation. Causes us to believe we're above something or someone else. Ultimately, pride keeps us from doing what we know we should do. And it's the very thing that causes us to do what we know we shouldn't do. Pride just gets in the way of any and all healthy relationships that we have. And most importantly, pride not only gets in the way of a growing relationship that we have with friends, but it gets in the way of a growing relationship with our Heavenly Father. And it begins to to distort our view of God. So tonight we're going to focus on something that King Solomon said once. Uh, King Solomon, uh, historians would all pretty much agree, uh, the wisest human being to ever walk uh, the earth. Um, Proverbs, we're going to be uh, looking at a, 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 a little text that he says in Proverbs. Proverbs basically being wisdom literature, this book in the Old Testament. How life is lived best. And chances are, all of you, when you look at your life and you look at where 2020 is going, I think if I asked every single one of you, you would be like, yeah, I want to I live my best life. Well, when it comes to pride, this is what Solomon says. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. Solomon is giving us a warning because, again, this series is about predictable outcomes. In Proverbs, all throughout the Proverbs, there are predictable outcomes and warning signs to what pride can do in our life. See, when pride runs the show of your life and mine, it always has a plus one, a sidekick, and that sidekick with pride is disgrace i.e. regret, humiliation, shame, 
embarrassment. On and on I can go. And you know this, disgrace does not look good or, or feel good. That's why oftentimes after, after we, you know, the, fl- the pride flares up, we're like, why did, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why did I think that? Why didn't I just go over there and just own it? Pride does that. Here's the fascinating thing, and um, I'd love this. Um, when you kind of look and, and dig into the definition of pride, in the Hebrew, um, it's, a, it's a word picture of kind of meaning boiling up, okay, boiling up. And basically, it's describing someone who's, who's arrogant, that they can only have his or her way. They don't want to be told what to do. Describing someone who oversteps boundaries, who doesn't want to seek out advice, sometimes insubordinate. It's describing someone who is inflated with their own self. In fact, their own self-bestowed divinity. Like, I'm God's gift to the world. In summary, it describes someone who lives in the mindset that they are smarter than God and better than people. Pride is a big deal. And it informs us of so many things. It informs us um, of this, that at the very heart of pride is a distorted view of ourselves in relation to God and others. It's an elevated view, a, an inflated view of ourselves in relationship to God and others. And with that kind of distortion always comes disgrace. But the great thing is that Solomon keeps talking because he talks about this idea of humility. We continue to read, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes, what's that last word? Wisdom. Wisdom. The very antithesis of pride is humility. Again, pride's plus one. Pride's sidekick is disgrace. Humility has a plus one, too. And it's wisdom. Wisdom, that which comes from God. Wisdom on knowing what to say and how to say it. Wisdom of having the self-awareness to know when we're wrong. The wisdom just to kind of like, you know what? I I think this is right. I am going to do right. Basically, wisdom giving us an appropriate view of ourself in relationship to God and others. Put it this way. You see, pride distorts, but humility gives clarifying wisdom. Pride distorts and jacks everything up in our relationships and our view of our Heavenly Father, but humility gives clarifying wisdom. And at the core of wisdom is us thinking rightly about ourselves in relationship to who God is, the bigness of God and the greatness of God and the glory of God and our need for Jesus. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but we aren't needed We aren't really needed by God, but he invites us to be a part of what he's doing in the world. He doesn't need us, but he absolutely loves us. See, the cool thing about the Christian faith is I I believe that a proper view of God always finds its way into our relationships. A proper view of who God is and, and how he serves and how he loves will work its way into our relationships But if it doesn't, then I would have to say that we don't have a proper view 
of God. The barometer of my humility in relation to the bigness and greatness of God is the humility I show and we show to the people around us for whom Jesus died. There's a, um, there's a moment um, in the Gospel of John. And uh, uh, Jesus is basically at the Last Supper, and he is washing his disciples' feet. Anybody remember this at all? Remember, remember that scene? Well, Peter, here's the deal. Jesus is washing feet, and he, and he can't get it. He doesn't get it. Because it's customary for when folks walk into a home for the host to find a servant to wash the feet of the travelers, to clean off the, the, the hideous dirt and the mud from their feet and sandals. And at this very time, Jesus would have been the host. But he chose to get down, put on an apron like a servant. And he washed his feet. And Peter didn't get it. And he told Jesus, hey, you, Jesus, you can't do this. You, you can't wash our feet. You're God. And Peter was right. Jesus was God. He didn't have to to go down and wash their feet. But that's exactly Jesus' point, saying, I am God. I came to serve and to save. I didn't come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. And finally, Peter gets a little bit later in his life, and he would write this right here. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Let's geek out on this for a second. The word clothe as a verb literally means tie on oneself. And the, the noun variation of that same word means a servant's apron. I love that picture. A servant's apron. Tying it on. Trying to tie it on. <laughs> What's our posture supposed to be like toward each other, toward one another? How, how it, does the bigness of God mend itself in our lives? By tying on an apron. Tying on an apron. Do you want to honor the greatness of God in and around your life, tie on an apron. Do you want to worship God in a way that's not just regurgitating lyrics on one random Wednesday night, but worshiping with your whole life, offering your whole life to him and surrender? Then tie on an apron. You want to root out the ugly pride in your life that says you're smarter than God and better than people? Tie on an apron. And again, this is much the posture of our hands as it is the work of our hands. Peter saw it, Jesus did it, and he wants us to. He wants us to tie on an apron. Because I believe for, for three reasons. The first is this. Pride lies. Humility clarifies. Pride lies, but humility clarifies. Pride lies to you and me. It makes us think that we're justified that we're not guilty of anything. It tells us that we're, we're, we should feel entitled to it or to him or to her. Pride whispers that, hey, you know what? It's all, it's all their fault. It's not your fault. It's, it's all their fault. 
Pride tells us that we know better. We know better than him. We know better than her. We know better than God. Pride makes sin look a whole lot better than it actually is. But humility clarifies because it reminds us that we're not above anyone or anything. It allows us to think rightly about ourselves, to see the greatness and the bigness of God. Humility shows that there is strength in admitting weakness and that we need help. He desires for us, God desires for us to tie on an apron as it relates to our relationship with him and to others. So pride lies, humility clarifies, but pride also hurts, but humility helps. Pride hurts other people, you know this. Pride devalues people. Pride finds joy in others' failures. Pride does whatever it takes to get ahead of someone. It fails to consider the other person, but humility helps. It helps us love as Jesus loved. It helps us protect relationships. Humility serves the best interest of other people. Pride lies, humility clarifies. Pride hurts, humility helps. And lastly, pride paralyzes, but humility mobilizes. I love this. Pride paralyzes us. It it, it locks us into our mistakes, sometimes tricking us to believe that, hey, the mistakes we've made, we never can come back from. Pride withholds forgiveness from her and for him. Pride waits for them to make the first move. It, pride keeps us from learning and growing because what else do we need to learn? We've cornered the market on knowledge. I know everything I need to know about this or that. But humility mobilizes because it leads us to make the first move, even if we're just 5% wrong. Humility seeks out reconciliation rather than just waiting for it. Humility admits fault and wrongdoing. It doesn't just blame, 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 or justify, justify, justify. Humility looks to serve. Humility mobilizes because it was humility that mobilized Jesus to come down from heaven, to humble himself and put on flesh and walk and live and learn and then immediately die on a cross and that would save the world. I know you guys get this. This isn't the first time that you've heard about the idea or the concept of pride. It's not rocket science. There will not be a single area of your life that isn't positively uh, impacted by the derooting of pride in your life. This is the kind of Jesus follower that God wants to build and use in his kingdom. That's the one that ties on an apron. Ladies, the the kind of guy that you want The kind of guy that you really don't want to mess with anymore, the kind of guy that you really want, that you really need to be looking for, is the kind of guy that would tie on an apron. Fellas, same for you with the ladies. The roommate that you want to be, the roommate that um, you wish you had, what kind of roommate do you want to be? What kind of roommate do you want to have? It's the type of roommate that ties on an apron. How do you change your heart? How do you change the world? By tying on an apron. Peter um, would close out the passage. Okay, we're supposed to clothe ourselves in humility. Why? 
He says right here, 1 Peter 5, 5. In the same way you were younger, submit yourselves to your elders, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Why should we do this? Because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. That word opposes means to set himself against. Here's the harsh truth. You want to ruin your life? Then invite pride in your life that will allow God to set himself against you. Ryan, that seems pretty bold, pretty brash. I thought God was all loving, all gracious. He is, but he loves us enough to really tell us like it is, to really tell us the truth. That's why he's telling us this message. God opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble. Favor to those who tie on an apron. And I'm not talking about the favor that's like, hey, just it's going to rain down blessings or you're going to win the lottery or you know, you're going to get all this money. I'm not talking about that favor. I'm talking about the favor that um, basically is going to give you an intimate understanding and an idea, more of an idea of who Jesus is and the life that he wants you to know and to live. Favor like having healthy relationships with your roommates, your coworkers, your friends, even your family. Favor of even having healthy relationships and maybe you even go through a breakup but being healthy enough to go, hey, um, to, to, to treat it the right way, to treat that person the right way. Favor to where you're going around and hanging around your parents who maybe some of you, you have fractured relationships with your parents and your parents don't get you, you don't understand. But having favor... It's like, hey, maybe for the first time, your parents begin to understand some of the things that you're going through. And you're able to not be so hostile with your emotions, but your emotions are in check. The favor of God rests on the humble. So I want to ask everybody tonight to consider to tie on an apron. And it's more about, again, it's more than just an action. It should be the posture of our hearts before God and others. So do you want to ruin your life? Well, keep inviting pride in. Be prideful. Do you want the favor of God to rest on your life? Then tie on an apron. Um, I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to say amen in a second. But here's what I'd love to do. Um, I would imagine, um, if you're like me, uh, sometimes uh, content like this can kind of stir you to think about um, this very topic of pride. And so I'm going to give us the gift, hopefully it's a gift to you, of 30 seconds or so just to process what you've heard before a lot of you go to small group. And maybe in this 30 seconds, I'm going to give you the opportunity to repent, which is a big churchy word, but don't make it a big churchy word. It just means a change of mind, a change of direction. And so for the next 30 seconds before I say amen, I would love for you to think about, hey, do I have pride in my life? Where has the pride been ruining my life? For a lot of you, it's not gonna take long. And maybe again, you invite God into that process. 
Maybe something easily comes to your mind. Or maybe in this next 30 seconds you ask God, hey, where is pride ruining my life? Or where is some certain aspects of pride that has the potential to ruin my life? And you invite him to show you what that might be. All right? So go ahead. If you need to, bow your heads if you need. Close your eyes if you need. You got 30 seconds. And then I'll say amen. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for tonight, uh, for bringing us all back here. God, ultimately, in light of what we just heard, thank you so much for the picture of the perfect humility found in Jesus. Thank you that Jesus moved toward us, humbling himself, giving of his life, in service and in death. Heavenly Father, I, I pray and ask that you would draw close to every single person in this room. I truly believe that all of these college-age adults have what it takes to change the world, to change their relationships. But God, I think and I believe that the only way to do that is if we tie on an apron by clothing ourselves in humility. That's the only way, Father, it's the only way that we can keep pride from running and ruining our lives. Would you be so kind to us to meet us on this journey of paying attention to these types of things, these pitfalls that all of us are experiencing? Please continue to join us for the next few weeks and in this series. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.